Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Comedy Collision podcast. Um, I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, this has been a long time in the works, and it's so cool to finally be posting it. Uh, I just want to thank Hank and Savannah for producing it. I want to thank Mike Baker for coming on. Mike's an awesome dude, and he's so knowledgeable. Um, and then I want to thank you guys. If you're even hearing this, um, that means the world to me. So thank you so much. I hope you can uh, laugh a little. Hope you learn a little. Um, and yeah, let's just go on this journey together and try to figure it out. All right, here we go. Let's do it. Thank you for tuning in to the Comedy Collision Podcast. I am your host, Nick Hannock, and I am going to ask you, how are we today? How are we doing? Is everyone good? Are we all healthy? This uh, podcast is going to be kind of a shit show, I'm thinking. We're going to do either mostly ranting, maybe mostly um, interview style, because we do have a cool interview today coming up, and uh, I'm excited for that to let you guys hear that because it was a great conversation. But uh, I don't know. Who knows what I'm going to do? Like, I have a sales job now, and the office hits completely differently. The TV show, you know? Because, like, I'm in sales, and it's just, like, that show could, and I know it's said a billion times, but, like, that show could really, really never make it uh, today. And also really, really never make it. I don't know if that's the correct way of saying that, but this show is going to be filled with grammar errors, and that's just how it's going to have to go, right? I don't know. A lot of things are changing, right? I'm, uh, I just had my birthday. I'm 23 now, 23, and uh, it's cool, man. The Jordan year, right, Michael? And uh, I had to go get my license renewed. Like it expired on my birthday, but the problem is, and let me tell you this: this is where the, this is gonna be the first podcast rant. Um, hopefully, of many, but the DMV, the DMV, is the worst run system, especially during the pandemic. First of all, especially when you're renewing something, you, hey, DMV, it's 2020, about to be 2021. I don't know, maybe figure out a way to make it online to be able to renew your license online i'm not taking any tests i literally didn't take one single test to renew my license it is the worst i show up dude and i thought the freaking new avengers movie new star wars movie was coming out with the line that was around the block it's like people been camped out there for about six weeks people are running around in freaking yoda masks and capes and fucking acting like chewbacca like, what the fuck is this? So I show up. I walk up there, right? Everyone's keeping their distance six feet apart. Lines are around the block. And uh, the person's coming around, and she's kind of like checking. And, that, and that's, you. hey, DMV, you got it right, finally, with one thing. They have a person pre-checking it, so, like, you don't get in there, and they're like, you don't have the papers. Um, and she's checking it, and she comes by me, and I'm like, hey, I need to get a new license, right? Well, the problem with that is my license that I had that was expired is a Missouri license because I went to Mizzou and I had to get state tuition there. Well, this, they acted like they've never seen this before. I mean, it threw them for a loop that she was just like, oh, I, I mean, you're going to, you're going to need a new license. There is just no way to tell you that. But I mean, I'm like, are you sure? Like, I, I mean, I, I've already had a license. She's like, I, I, I don't know. I'm like, okay, well, on my new license, uh, can I get that real ID? Because, you know, you got to get this real ID for traveling now. And she goes, I'm going to be honest. I don't see a way that that is going to happen today. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? And she's like, maybe you can get an Illinois license. I don't know if you have to do the test. Um, yeah, but it looks like you got the paperwork for that. And I'm like, all right. So I wait an hour and a half in this goddamn black friday line and we get there right and we get in finally after i've been by the way behind me behind me two people behind me is a single mom or not single mom because she had a ring because i'll tell you how we found that out uh and her kid who did and her kids just running around screaming and you know being doing what kids do 
Why would you bring your kid to the DMV? I mean, come on, Nick. She probably had no choice, but still, why would you do that? And uh, the kids running around screaming, and then the guy behind me. So that girl, that girl was two people behind me. The guy behind me was just like, dude, you could just tell, like sixty-five-year-old divorced uh, dude. And he had like a big tattoo. Dude, he was like a freaking pirate. He had a tattoo on his uh, right bicep of like a that you know that typical like marine anchor tattoo, like that sailor tattoo. That's what this dude had. Right, he had that. I swear to God, I thought he said "arg." I thought he went "arg." I, I swear to God, I thought he did that. Right, but he, he had this <laughs> laughing thing. That was like that was a laugh. That was like how he started his laugh. It was crazy, and the guy was just like trying to talk to everybody in line. And I'm sitting there, um, just minding my own business, looking forward, AirPods in because I don't want anything to do with this guy. Right. But of course, then some DMV employee comes over and he's giving me shit about my mask. That's because uh, it's a Packers mask. And I get it. You know, you wear a Packers mask in Chicago. That's what's going to fucking happen. It's not rocket science. But this, they fucking the stupid fuck comes up to me. And he, sorry, I didn't mean that. Right. And he's probably a good kid. But he comes up to me. He's just he has to be around my age. And he's like, yeah, uh, Packers suck. And then the guy, the fucking pirates, like, arg, matey. Right. And he's just cherubin about the Packers. So I'm not I'm just getting shit out about the Packers. I've been waiting in line for an hour and a half. DMV, figure it the fuck out, dude. Figure it the fuck out. Go, yeah, have it like a B. I've been suggesting this idea. Make it like a bar. Make it like a club. At, make it free to go in there during the pandemic from, what is it, 7 a.m. to like 2 p.m., right? That period, five hours, make it free. And then from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., charge cover. Charge a small cover, $5, $10, whatever it is, to get in, right? That will thin out the herd. I promise you that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, have a guy show up with two hot girls around his arm. Or a girl show up with two hot guys around her arm. Or three hot guys, three hot girls. I don't know. The combinations are endless. It's 2020, 2021's TBD right around the corner. Have that happen, right? Like, change it change this thing because it's not working for decades there's been one thing consistent with america and the dmv and that's that it sucks dude i love i'm gonna start doing that so much more on this podcast i think the drive-by like that i call it just like that i don't know maybe that sounds dumb but um yeah i don't know that was my experience with the dmv like can you tell that this podcast is already so stupid? Like how, like it's just a dumb cunt like me. So, and there, and he said it. He said it. Fuck. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to use the C word, but I'm going to start using this. Especially when we get to my dating history, the C word is going to pop off. And if that blew out your eardrums, I apologize. I'm a fucking moron. But, uh, yeah, this podcast is just about for ridiculousness. It's what that. It's about that. It's about my new likes, like my new obsession with a song that's K-pop, and it's called Dynamite. All right, and it's not Tyo Cruz's Dynamite because I look up. I looked it up. I don't know why I was looking up Dynamite, but I did, and this song came up over it, and I was I was a little pissed. If you're from my generation, that should piss you off a little bit, like. Tyler Cruz's Dynamite was the shit. It still is the shit. And whenever it comes on, I assume in my head is followed up by it. And then th whatever that artist, DJ got us falling in love tonight. Right? Those are the three songs that are going to automatically automatically come up in order. Every single night. And it, what you say, I don't know if that was before, after, or maybe even during. But what you say is an honorable mention. And any Black Eyed Peas song. <laughs> I could just keep going with this. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so Dynamite, it, dude, it's so electric, it's and it's by BTS. Now, this is where the shit's going to come in. Yeah, it's by BTS. That's like a 10-man, and it, I said man, but I don't know if it's man, boy group, right, from Korea. Yes, it's K-pop, all right? I like a K-pop song. I'm sorry. But, dude, it's so electric. I, it's just, dude, it, you make, it feels so good when you listen to it. And I know I'm going to get shit for that. But, like, I haven't listened to anything else by them. I'm not, like, defending. Like, the, I mean, I am defending. But, like, I have not listened to anything else by them. And so I don't know how good they are. But, I mean, they're obviously all over the place, right? I mean, BTS, is they're kind of the shit. Um, and for ticket sales, at least, or before the pandemic. 
Um, let me see. I'm looking them up right now. How many members are there? They're from South Korea, right? Um, we got RM, J-Hope, V, Jimin. We, so we got Jin. Jin. Yeah, I think I, and if I'm butchering this, I'm so sorry. We got Jin. It's not sugar, but it's spelled like that. Um, J-Hope, RM, Jimin, V. Just one letter. I fucking love that. And then Young Kook. That might not. Young Hook? I don't know. I don't know. That might be. I'm probably offending so many people right now, and I don't mean to be. I'm sorry. But, dude, he's my favorite, the, the last one, because he, he is a great voice, and he's electric. Um, look up any live version. So much money is pumped into this group. It's insane. When you look up a live version of the song, I'm telling you, I'll put the link in the in like my bio somewhere or something. But the live version of the VMAs is so electric. It's it's the perfect meme about waking up the next morning after like not slipping up the night before. And it's hilarious. But uh yeah, they have great dance moves, great harmonies, great melodies. Fuck you. Fuck you if you don't like it. How about that? Um but no, I know I'm going to get shit for it, but I uh, I truly enjoy this song. But my taste in music is basically a 16-year-old girls. Like that is make no bones about it. Give me Gavin DeGraw, Andy Grammer and uh and and now uh BTS. Hell, throwing a little One Direction at times, yeah, it's perfect. One Direction, dude, so Bieber's fucking good too. I mean, it's great. I mean, if I could have, I've said this for a long time, and especially after watching the the live version of the Dynamite by BTS, if I was athletic, dude, I would have literally not have used it for sports. I would have been the greatest probably dancer of all time because the way people dance and move their bodies that I just physically can't do, like Michael, or there was this kid, shout out Jeremy, I don't know if he's, he's probably definitely not listening to this, but his name was Jeremy from uh, uh, DGS, he was in my uh, graduating class, um, he fucking could move his body and dance, dude, I I can't do any of that shit, and I wish I could, um, because it looks cool, in my opinion, and uh, yeah, he, um, I, hope, I hope he's still dancing, I hope he's still dancing, but uh <laughs> I don't know. It would be cool to be a, like an actually really talented dancer like that. Um, I, I like watched a movie growing up called Dance Flick. It was making fun of dance movies, but like break dancing and shit. I don't know. I think it would be cool to have that like ability, but uh, I don't. And I look very awkward when I walk. I'm kind of already uh, arched over, so it's really awkward for me. But uh, yeah, him. So give me BTS. Give me One Direction. At times, at times, I'm not like deep tracks, but at times, uh, Bieber, uh, again, like if I could be a pro athlete or a singer, I'm picking Bieber's life. Um, that, uh, who else we got? I, yeah, like Andy Grammer, you know how big of a fan I am. If you know me, you know I love that. Um, and uh, the only reason I mentioned Gavin DeGraw, I don't want to be, is I am so sorry. I'm, I'm going to apologize right now for anyone who had to hear that. The only reason I mentioned Gavin DeGraw is because um, we actually were lucky enough to book um, the drummer for Mike Baker, right? And uh, me and Mike have a great conversation. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to that. Um, we talk about drumming because uh, I'm big on drums. I'm actually starting to take lessons now. Um, and we might, I might actually try to get my drum coach or teacher um, on here because he's, um, my God, is that guy talented, as is, as is Mike. Mike's a legend, dude. Mike was playing with, like, Kobe Calais and, Andy Grammer and now Gavin um, opened up for like Billy Joel at uh, Madison Square Garden. Like, what does it get, in New York? Does it get more legendary than that? I guess headlining, but like still, like he fucking crushes, dude. Um, we have a great conversation, and uh, it turns out he lives very close to me in uh, Phoenix and likes to golf. So who knows? We might play around it too. Um, but yeah, so this is kind of what the pod is. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed it, and uh, I'm now gonna kick it over to the interview. But uh, what I want to do next week is send in your, um, please send in like advice, like if you need advice on anything, um, and you can make up, and don't make up crazy scenarios, but if you want, if just if you need advice on anything in life, any decisions in life, I will give my best comedic advice on what to do. Um, I will also do a Q&A portion of it. Uh, I'll answer questions. Yeah, if anyone has questions, I'll just answer them. So we'll do advice slash questions portion of the show. 
and uh, I'd be happy to do that. I, I think we're going to do s- some Q&As coming up. I don't have the questions yet, but I will uh, record the next part when I have the questions, if we get any. Who knows? Um, I expect this to be um, 50 listeners this week, uh, t- 10 being family members, and then uh, I expect it to drop down to six listeners uh, week two. But, yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and I uh, hope you enjoy the uh, the interview, man. It's fucking awesome. Stay uh Stay happy, stay healthy, and uh, here it is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my guest at this time is the legend of the pop music drum game, and he has played with superstars such as Andy Grammer and currently Gavin DeGraw. Ladies and gentlemen, the talented Mike Baker. Mike, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Nick. Appreciate it. No problem. The first thing, first, I like to start with the hardest question first, and that is going to take you back uh, to 2017. Uh, when I first saw you. So uh-huh. it was me and my buddy, and then we saw you at the uh, Andy Grammer, Gavin DeGraw, kind of like, I, were you guys touring together? Yeah, you call them co-headlines. Co-headliners, cool. Yeah. And this was in, it was in St. Louis. I can't remember the name of the venue. It was, uh, it was a theater though. I don't know if you can, if you can. I, re- I remember that. I remember cool. that place. Awesome. So at the end of the show, I'm sitting very close to the front because we put a lot of money in the tickets. We were going to meet everyone, and then like they had to cancel the meet and greet. Um, so we actually ended up sitting there for pretty cheap. But uh, we're out there, and uh, it's the end of the show. Every, every, ah, thank you, Gavin. Everyone's cheering. And you, you got your, uh, I've been watching the whole show because you got the chops of a Greek god, it felt like. And uh, you got the drumsticks and you're walking over and I'm like, Oh dude, he sees me. We like lock eyes. Well, at least I thought we lock eyes like uh, Jack and Rose and Titanic. <laughs> and I'm staring right at you and you just launch them five seats over my head. Now I need to know, was that intentional or what, what was going through your head at that moment? Well, first of all, you're asking me if I, if I remember <laughs> like Jack and Rose and the answer is no, I don't, unfortunately. Oh, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I think tip, well, I think during the show, uh, very often I'll like make a point of giving a stick to somebody that I see in the show that could use it or that's really enthusiastic about, you know, the concert yeah. or a kid, especially if a kid's up front, um, nine times out of 10, the stick is going to them. Um, and then, but I think during that, that tour, I was kind of just like doing the toss for the display of it all like yeah getting it up in the air and theater you know, venue yeah just seeing this from the stage yeah <laughs> that's good have you ever seen like a big brawl breakout when you toss it up um yeah my favorite thing is like when the the polite ladies in the front just don't get polite anymore they're like <laughs> they still have their like their smiles on their face like no no no, it's mine it's really yeah. mine you know, it's mine <laughs> dude that's fantastic and, and yeah, few, yeah. Uh, how many wines do you think they're in at that point too just probably drinking the whole concert up there. I would hope so, yeah. Makes the music there, that's for sure. Yeah, we were like, uh, when we were up there, we were like the only, well, of course, we were the only uh, two, like, college kids that age up there, but, uh, or two college guys that up there that age. But there's a lot of, like, housewives and, like... Oh, I was going to say, Gavin's first album came out in 2002, 2003. Um, And so, yeah, if you've kept track for that long. Andy came around 2011, 2012. So you'd have a little bit of a, a younger demographic, but, but Gavin's mainstay fans are, you know, they're, they're getting up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to get new hips for some of them. That's yeah. <laughs> That's Maybe, awesome. not that bad. Maybe not that bad, but yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So when yeah. you were coming up and you're what the 13, 14 around there, when you're starting to play drums um, is, and you said Northwest, uh, where you came from. Is uh, Nirvana making an impact on you at, at all? Have you heard of them? Did you like them at the time? Um, it was weird. Well, I guess coincidentally, like I'm, I was related to Kurt Cobain, just like my, um, my grandma at one point. I think this was like probably around the time that he died. We were at my grandparents' house and we were discussing him and, and uh, she goes, wait, what's his last name? And I, I said, Cobain. He goes, Cobain? you mean the family over in Aberdeen or whatever? And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, yeah, those are our cousins. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. At that point, like I didn't really, I didn't understand the brilliance of, of players like Dave Grohl. I was way more into um, 
what Dave did with Pearl Jam. I think the Pearl Jam 10 album is still like my favorite, just as far as the drum performance. It's, it's so fluid and so groovy. I was, I'm always going to be leaning towards like John Bonham sounds other than like, rather than Neil Peart, you know, which John Bonham's got like, it's just like the groove is so powerful within all the chops that he has. Um, And I feel like Pearl Jam's first record reflected that more. And then Dave Grohl did with Nirvana at that time. Absolutely. But Dave is one of the best. Like he yeah. is phenomenal. <laughs> it yeah. didn't impact him at that age. Sure. But like, yeah, later in life, he started appreciate more appreciative of what it was. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm a big um, Dave fan too of, uh, especially Foo Fighters is the era yeah. and I would understand more. Um, and then guys like, yeah, Bonoma, Phil Rudd, Joey Kramer, yeah. uh, guys like that are, uh, guys that I definitely look into now did you do uh college at all when you got uh later teen years yeah I I went to San Diego State for a year and I hated it um I figured I would never be able to do music full-time so I was going to school to be um like I wanted to get into building studios so I could at least be around cool music enough but um I couldn't stand it so it was kind of like a a big motivation for me to kind of like pack up bags and and just and make the move yeah, that and that's a tough decision to make too. With I'm sure the parents had a lot of pressure on it. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of times that I would love to, I, in the last four years, just kind of get up and start telling uh, jokes on the stage or go to auditions uh, and my weekdays, but I gotta sit sit here in class and stuff. Uh, <laughs> so that's a really tough uh, decision to make, man. That's so I can I I give I would give you props for that. It's interesting because, like, I guess there's two takes on it. Like, um, I always heard when I was growing up, like, you have to have a backup plan. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess for me, it didn't make sense because I'm kind of like, I'm all or nothing. Yeah. Um, So I kind of like put all my my chips in this one basket. And I don't think like the backup plan, I guess more backup plans have presented themselves just because I'm a musician and I, I was able to develop myself and my personality and all that stuff through that channel. But going to school was not an option for me to like a backup plan. Just, it just wasn't a thing. Like, yeah. And it totally depends on your personality. I feel like if you can do anything else, if you think about doing anything else besides music, music, you should probably do that. Mm-hmm. Or I guess anything in the arts because it requires so much passion, so much time, so much energy Yeah, and a lot of heartbreak too. There's just a lot of hard work involved in there. So yeah. yeah. if you can think about it, doing anything else, maybe you should do that instead. Absolutely, man. I 100% agree. Now, did your parents like see that too and understand that, or when, how 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 do they react to the news? Yeah, I mean that conversation was really present. My dad didn't graduate college, and he really wanted his boys to graduate college. Okay. Um, and then <clears throat> it was just you know a few conversations where just he did, he just realized like my brother wanted to go to work immediately. Um, and I was I guess I was into the idea, but after that experience at San Diego State, I was like, dude, I hate this. So you yeah. know, just kind of like a couple sit down talks, like, listen, I'm serious about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, really cool. need to explore where this goes. So at that point it was like, All right, man, like I guess I'm jumping in with you. This is crazy, but here we go. <laughs> all in. Yeah, like you said, all in or all out. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because that's a tough conversation to have with the parents. Yeah. Especially at that age and you're what, eighteen, nineteen? It's a, Yeah, and I, I mean I consider myself a late bloomer. It wasn't like I didn't have a lot of confidence going into that because like the world was just kind of wide and scary and bills. What are you talking about bills? Um, (laughs) There's a, you know, I guess dumb luck and just that kind of like the youthful energy that got, that got me through it. But yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome, man. So you come out of college, you, uh, did you, that's when you started, were you in a new band then? Uh, when I moved to LA, I just, I called it playing like a series of pinball games. (laughs) you know, kind of like that artist and like that band. And like, um, you know, I was, I was in as many possible situations as, as my time would allow. So I was like trying to juggle like construction jobs or working at a drum shop or, um, uh, making a little bit of money with the gigs here and there. Um, but I was just trying to get into every situation that I possibly could. So I was in a hard rock band with a bunch of dudes from, um, uh, Berkeley. And Mm -hmm. I was in like this kind of like rockabilly thing with this guy from Tulsa. I was, um, I ended up getting into a reggae band called Sipes and the People for a minute, and I was in this like amazing hip hop rock reggae group called Optimus that was like some of the craziest stuff I've ever done in my life. Yeah, um, unfortunately, sounds- I think <laughs> I think they've only got one 
song on iTunes called On the Grind, I'm pretty sure. But that band was insane. It was the the vocalist or the <clears throat> the MC, um, he was serious. He had like he had crazy chops. He could sing his ass off, yeah, but he could rap like with the best of them and his lyrics were really profound and clever and so that was kind of like that was crazy because from that like from Optimus and Sipes and the People, that's when I met Colby Calais, which is like the exact opposite of styles. So it was an yeah. interesting juxtaposition. And you did you start playing with her then? Yeah, I did. Um, it was just through a, a random contact. Uh, I did a recording session for this guy, and the engineer ended up being Michael. And he was producing this unknown girl yeah. at the time. And he asked me, he's like, "Hey, could you stick around and play on this this other project mm-hmm. I got?" Yeah. And that started my my whole thing. Yeah, and, and I was could just supposed to do that recording session. Dude, and how I, cool I was, is that? Yeah, just opportunities. It was like I get, yeah, I guess that's like, for me who didn't, I didn't go to music school. I didn't have a parent in the industry. Um, and I was definitely not one of the cool kids. So it was just kind of like really scrappy chip on my shoulder. Yeah. That is like, for me, I'll, I guess being in as many situations as I possibly could really benefited me because yeah. it just, just random side recording session that should have gone to my friend, but he was in Australia cause he just had a kid and he was showing his parents. I got the gig as the sub and I ended up meeting Colby out of that. It, you never know and think if you didn't show up to that yeah what that doesn't happen right there that's that's crazy man it, it's yeah bananas so for people coming out of i guess my age group coming out of college uh trying to get their foot in the music industry would you say just play as much as you can is that kind of the big I would. yeah i mean i think there's a healthy balance right now like um just because of the the importance of social media yep um i would i would say do do as much as you can in, in both worlds. Um, cause still like the, the people, the referrals, the, the relationships you foster, um, 100% of the time, yeah. um, is, is, is going to benefit you. Like you being skilled at, at what you do kind of gets your foot in the door, but everything else after that has to do with how you handle yourself with other people. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's so kind of like a social thing. Cool. Yeah, it's worked for some people I know um, that got their career started. Like the, the drummer from Chainsmokers uh, was in Australia, and because his YouTube presence was so small, or I'm sorry, it was so big um, that he in Smokers gig. So, you know, that, that story does happen for sure. But um, trying to mix like real life situations, like actually gigging with your, with your online presence is, is the way to go right now. Yeah, cool. And, and back in your era, there was probably no huge online presence, right? Is that no. I'm assuming this was when internet was just starting out? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Get you. It was, um, I mean, I guess we had right before I, or when I was meeting Colby, MySpace was the biggest thing at that point. And yeah. Facebook took over like in the middle of my time with her, I guess. So like 2008. Cool. <laughs> MySpace. You got, I love that. Yeah, we MySpace. I'm we're our generation just missed it. We're like, uh, yeah, Facebook was our first like social media presence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, that's that's awesome, man. Cool. All right, let's do a fun question here. Let's uh, right. let's do a fun one. Coolest uh, venue you've played? That is a good question. I've played. I've been able to play so many of them. Uh, what comes to mind, I guess, is Stubbs Barbecue cool. in Austin, Texas. I love mm-hmm. that place. It's kind of like a celebrated. Um, dirty like dusty uh dirt lot that can get <laughs> out and it's just it's fun man it's really it's a really good time um yeah hollywood bowl just for the prestige um it's yeah, fun man the garden is kind of like it just madison square garden just carries this weight to it like you walk in yeah. the doors and you're like whoa and it's not i mean it's still one of the smaller arenas now just because it the there's so many newer ones that have been built to yeah. Hold larger capacity. So this one, I think, I think capacity there is like 17,000 or something like yeah. that. Um, but it still carries, it's, it's a heavy weight when you walk through those doors. And was that with Gavin? The first time I'd played it was with Colby actually. But, um, but yeah, uh, we've had the, with Gavin, we've had the pleasure of opening up for Billy Joel um, numerous times <laughs> on his monthly yeah. residency there. So uh, yeah, that's, that's cutting some serious teeth. <laughs> That was a great, uh, that was such a great way you said that with a, yeah, the second time I played it was with Gavin. Yeah. 
No, I played there. I think I played there again with uh, with Orianti, and I, I remember LMFAO. I think was the headliner at that point. Oh so that was God, like a, dude, a rock star. Dude, when did you know you were a rock star? When did it hit? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think for me, it's it's great to keep the perspective. Like I play for the rock stars. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm the drummer that, that really nobody knows. And it's great to be on the stage and share the stage with, with people like, with those, you know, charismatic individuals. But I, at the end of the day, I, I get to go home and live a normal life. life. Yeah. But you don't have the pressure either. But yeah. Oh my God. I can only imagine the pressure these guys come out of uh, with these sure. major arenas. Yeah, have you played uh, Red Rocks? Yeah. I love Red Rocks too. I've played that a, a few times. Uh, again, the first time was with Colby. And I think, let's see, we did that with the Goo Goo Dolls. Um, nice i don't think we played we got to open for john mayer for like a whole summer too and I, but i don't think we did we did mile high festival that year in denver um got to do it with train when i was with andy Grammer. Cool. we haven't done it with gavin yet haven't done yeah it's a yeah beautiful venue it's a big like uh social media thing uh for kids at my age uh we love like all the concerts from there and the pictures i know uh the big famous one is, uh, was it Dave Matthews Band, right? That's the big Notorious Red Rocks album or something like that. Uh, that, one's, that one's really good. My favorite from yeah. him is Listener Supported. But Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, I think OAR did uh, a Red Rocks sure. album too. Sure. And uh, Turn the Car Around. Yeah, they're great. I love them. Uh, yeah, so I guess, uh, how did you, I'm, I'm a big fan, I should specify this, uh, big fan of Andy Grammer. Like, yeah. Ginormous. Uh, yeah. How did you meet him? How did you get started with him? Uh, I'm a 22-year-old male asking this question. And I feel like a 16-year-old girl. So how- <laughs> I'm, on a, I'm with a fanboy right now. Yeah. Uh, Text him, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Andy, the, the relationship with Andy actually came about um, because I knew his, I guess, current wife, but at, at that time they were dating. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I met Asia, I think back in 2008 when she was a CSUN student and she was grabbing coffee at the Starbucks next to my house and we just happened to run into each other and we realized that we already had um, uh, mutual friends in the industry. Mm-hmm. So when she started getting her stuff going, she uh, asked me to be a part of her band and Zach Rudolph, Andy's bassist, yep. was already in that group. So the first time I actually ever played with Asia was with Fred Brown, who's Bruno Mars' musical director. Cool. Um, Zach Rudolph, myself, and then Drew DeCaro, who um, is a producer now, but his first big gig was with Miguel. Cool. And so it was this super group of guys backing Asia, and um, none of us really had the gigs at the time. We were just kind of like, I had just gotten off with Colby and then Orianti, so I was available at that time. And scrapping it out again so yeah. meeting all these guys in that in that kind of scenario it was like really innocent and super fun and uh i played i think i played one more gig with asia that andy came to and he said well i guess i know who my drummer is so <laughs> we talked and then andy and asia had to talk about like hey man like he's mine and no no no, he's mine and you know yeah. they had they had that discussion or whatever and um Andy eventually won out and I, yeah, um, we went on our first tour in the spring of 2011. It was just me, Andy and Zach in, uh, Andy's, um, big SUV. Dude, that is how legendary is that story that he blew up? Yeah, man. Oh my God. And it was still like that tour is like a highlight of my life. I loved just the moment that we, it was just three of us. We had our luggage on the top of the car, we had all of our gear in the trunk. So it was just like mean and mean and like no trailers, no nothing. It was just SUV and the three of us dudes. And we had a great time. We were opening for the plain white tees and parachute. Wow. And uh, it was such a pleasurable experience. I mean, those guys are like fantastic human beings. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't hard to get along. Um, I feel like it was a safe place to just kind of like uh, – explore personalities and, and, you know, get to know each other and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So I can't say enough about it. It was such a great, great time. Did Andy have his album out yet at this point? I think so. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, he did. Cause I wasn't able to do the video for keep your head up. My buddy, uh, Michael Lindsay did that. Um, nice. so that was already done. Okay. And, and then, then fine by me, I think was another single on that one. Yeah. And I did do the video for that one. Cool. Awesome. And then, yeah. so did you play on uh, the next one, Magazines and Novels? 
No, uh, we, I got, okay. So I played on Biggest Man in Los Angeles, me and cool. Zach did on the first album. And yep. then the second one, it was, I think it was, I think it was all program drums. If there were overdubs, I definitely didn't do them. But the one that was kind of like the group effort was the backup vocals for um, Back Home. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we all kind of like jumped into a studio and did the nanas. Yeah. And do you have any, like, I guess my question is, do you have any creative like in that process or is it just no. all like you play along? Cool. So who typically, and it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a monumental task for the, for the artist and the producer of that album to kind of like um, come to a meeting of the minds to bring the touring band into that situation. Yeah. It, it most of the time does not happen. Gotcha. Cool. Especially in the pop world, um, because there's so much programming involved on the album side, it doesn't really make sense to bring in live players, especially live drummers. Yeah, um, absolutely. And the live show many times is really different from from the studio. Yeah, that and I think um, seeing you play uh, with Gavin and then seeing uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Eman, right? That's his name. Yeah. Uh, play with Andy. Uh, he, uh, you could tell that it's a little more lively in the live shows than it is yeah. on, uh, the album, um, which is actually another thing that I, w- I was reading this, that you, so you're talking about everyone giving you an opportunity and like meeting people through church uh, groups and stuff like that. You met E-Man through a church group, right? And then you kind of mentioned his name, um, to, uh, was it to Andy or someone or to Zach? That- maybe? It was Zach. Zach yeah. and um, Eman played together a lot in, in the church that they were going to. And Eman started gotcha. playing drums basically the same time I did, like when he was 11 or 12 years old. So um, that name had been tossed around to me from Zach for a while. Um, okay, and we cool. knew that Eman was looking for a gig. He got to do, he got to play, um, I think it was percussion with Gwen Stefani on one of her tours, or maybe it was just one show or something. But yeah, I mean, wow. holy dream list for me, but or bucket list. Um, but yeah, I was, me and Zach, uh, when Andy was creating magazines or novels, I think we didn't, we weren't doing anything. So we jumped on um, a tour with Cody Simpson. Cool. And so me and Zach had time to kind of like conspire about our next phase or whatever. And I think what happened is we were gearing up for Andy's next tour and there were some overlaps with the Cody stuff. So I just recommended um, because me and Zach were like so close at that time, it was just kind of an easy conversation. Like, well, let's just give it to E-Man. Sure. And E-Man of course crushed it in, yeah. in the Cody Simpson thing. And then that transferred as soon as I knew that I was going full time, um, with Gavin about a year later, uh, it was just an easy transition to, to, to give to, uh, to E-Man. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, he is phenomenal. Um, he's very talented uh i guess uh how did the gavin DeGraw thing then come up uh was it just he andy was creating magazines and novels you were, and then you got the offer and you're just like oh i'll take the steady job when i knew in 2014 that i was going to transition to gavin full-time it was just the easy part of the conversation like hey man like zach already knows e-man they're like really good friends um he had already subbed for me a couple times on that gig as well so it was just kind of like a natural progression and Absolutely. he's so good he's, he's such a great drummer He's really driven with the um, with the craft and 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 doing great things with it. So yeah, and, and I love the gig, gig in better hands. That's for sure. Yeah, I've I mean I've seen him play think twice now, and the, your Mike is hundred percent right. To everyone listen, the guy is a stud. He, he yeah, very good. His chops are fast. Um, when you got the offer from Gavin, was it like okay, Andy's still creating this album? Uh, I'm going to take the steady work, and that's kind of how you jump to Gavin, or how was that transition? Yeah, it actually, it was a lot like that. Um, I just didn't have anything coming up and I was excited about the opportunities that the Gavin camp was, was presenting. Um, at that time, Gavin was more established and the Billy Joel thing was going really strong at that point. Like he had already clocked, I think like a dozen shows under his belt. I had done six of them already because they were in the middle of, um, drummers anyway. So I'd subbed on six of those shows already. And I mean, it was my first time playing Hollywood Bowl was was opening for Billy Joel. And that was like my rehearsal as well. Like I didn't get oh. to rehearse with the band. I got tracks. And the first time I'd ever played with the band was like for soundcheck. So <laughs> it was like, I mean, it would talk about adrenaline and, you know, nervous and all that stuff and just kind of like channeling it all through this drum set. It was, it was a crazy ride. It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, and like I knew we were going to do some crazy stuff for New Year's Eve, and the next year was like nonstop travel. We went to Europe twice. Uh, I think we played Rock and New Year's Eve on Broadway in Nashville to like a hundred thousand people. Like there was just stuff coming up that I, I couldn't, I couldn't pass up. Yeah. Wow. And this dude, I would, yeah, I can only imagine the pitch in the meeting to get you on the band. But uh, when I throw all this stuff at you, like we played for Billy Joel, all the crowds, man, I, it's just a new atmosphere to be in that you weren't uh, yeah. with, with Andy. Yeah. And if it, again, like that was through relationships, like uh, Gavin's musical director, Billy Norris. Um, we actually met in 2012 Okay. And Gavin and Colby Calais were co-headlining and Andy was opening and I was with Andy. So <laughs> all three of my like bosses are like doing a tour together. And yeah, um, it was kind of a, Billy was really excited about the band that uh, Andy had put together at that point. So David Maimon, the keyboardist um, was the first on board with Gavin. He, he joined February, 2014. He was recruited. And then I joined in September, 2014. So the relationship yeah. was kind of already in place. Wow. Dude, that yeah. is it's such a phenomenal three to, uh, to have for your boss, as you said, bosses. That's uh, yeah. pretty cool. I mean, I would, what I would do to have those guys as my bosses, but uh, <laughs> what is, um, all right. So we're going to do a little uh, three rapid fire questions with kind of uh, what we've been talking about. Okay. Favorite Gavin song to play, favorite uh, Andy song to play, and then favorite okay. uh, song to play on drums. A favorite Gavin song is sweeter to play. Okay. To play. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My favorite Andy song, I think, I think is Back Home. Okay. What's the other and one you're it, debating? Oh, with Andy, you mean? Yeah, yeah. It looked like you had two in your head. Uh, Ladies from his first album. Yes. Great song. And that then uh, best favorite song to play that's not Andy or Gavin? Uh, right now. Right now. Yeah. So like something, something you've been uh, working on at home or something. Yeah, I mean, I think I would probably go back to just the whole album, uh, the Continuum album by John Mayer, because it was the first time that I, it was the first time a lot of us drummers had heard Groove kind of displayed like that Yeah. ever. Steve Jordan's obviously a mastermind legend, but mm -hmm. the sound that he was getting, the simplicity of the grooves, but it was layered with so much complexity. It just kind of all of it was like mind blowing. So I still love playing along to that record. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, that's awesome. Um, I, uh, I'm barely, st I just started playing back in, uh, January kind of off and on because of, uh, school, uh, being home in Chicago was where the, I got a Elisa's Nitro, if you've ever heard of that, the little mesh uh, electronic drum kit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a good, it's a good starter kit. I think, um, mm -hmm. my parents don't want to kill me from the noise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's nice. But, uh, yeah, the bass pedal though is loud. You hit that thing, it's just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, shakes the house. But uh, yeah, I love playing uh, "Circles" by uh, Post Malone. That's one of my favorite songs to play uh, right now. I don't even know if I know that song. That's that's where I'm getting dated right now because I just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll hit you with some new songs. I'll have to send you my playlist then. Uh, okay. For it, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm looking at the questions. Uh, oh, here we go. Here's a great one. Uh, coolest jam session. Oh, jam sessions. Those Coolest always one you've out. done. Dream one. Oh, um, the, I mean, the one that comes to mind, the, the most, I guess the most recently I was playing with um, Richie Sambora from Bon Jovi, formerly, cool. formerly of Bon Jovi. Uh, and then the connection was through Orianti. So she got me the gig. Um, Michael Bearden, who was the musical director for, I guess most famously, um, this is it, the, Mike, the Michael Jackson tour that never happened. Yep. But he, you know, he's done countless, um, humongous things. Yeah. Uh, and then the Doobie Brothers were on stage, like with Michael <laughs> McDonald. Yeah. So I was like, what the hell am I doing here? This is amazing. Yeah. Those moments I mean, where you look up. Yeah. Yeah. I think we played Blackwater and um, I can't remember the other song that we did, but I was, and Dave Grohl was actually in the audience too. So we <laughs> I was kind of out. And then, oh yeah, one time uh, John Mayer stepped up on stage with us when 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 I was with Colby on his on his uh, the Maircraft cruise back in, in 2008, and uh, he jumped up for one of our songs and, and soloed, and that was kind of like a transcendental experience. Oh my God, that's surreal! That's just surreal. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, 
Dude, that is, yeah. All right, that beats any jab session I could ever come up with. But yeah, <laughs> uh, dude, that's awesome. Uh, what do you got coming out of the quarantine? What, what are we uh, thinking? Uh, well, Gavin, hopefully we'll have an album under his belt by then. So um, uh, actually he's posted about that. So yeah, um, that album will be ready to, to uh, go on tour. And we're excited, man. It, I think it's probably some of the most authentic work he's done in a really long time. Um, uh, so that's something to look forward to as soon as we can yeah. get out of this mess. I, I would imagine, I mean, I'm obviously not a scientist or uh, an expert <laughs> in the field, but I, I would imagine probably at the turn of next year, once we can get like the next cold and flu season under our belts, then, um, uh, then we're going to have a, a, a much better idea of how we can proceed with being on yeah. tour in large groups and cramped submarines that move on wheels and stuff. Perhaps. <laughs> Absolutely. What are you doing in the quarantine to stay busy right now? Uh, yeah, I've been diving head head first into uh, real estate knowledge. It's always been kind of like a, a side passion of mine, um, even though I don't have any um, any purchases under my belt yet, except for the house that we live in. Um, so I've been doing that. I've been golfing a lot, um, and then going back and forth on the local church gigs that, you know, we've, we've been able to do some and then there's a shutdown again. So probably pick that up again. Um, I would imagine next month. Yeah, absolutely. That's basically yeah. been about it, man. I mean, we've been, as everybody has been just kind of like limiting life. Um, sure. or I guess the, the social aspects of it. So, um, just kind of hanging out at home and yeah, no, they, and people, I completely feel you. Uh, I've been going stir crazy too with, uh, just being trapped in the house with everything. But uh, yeah. We get, get knee surgery too. I had a ACL reconstruction back in February, actually like a month before the, the whole pandemic hit, I kind of took the risk like, man, it's now or never. So yeah. hopefully I still get to have a job by the time I'm done. And like literally right when I was about ready to go back to playing drums is when everything got shut down. So yeah. What is it your uh, bass foot or is it the hi-hat? It is the kick drum foot. Kick it's, drum. It doesn't really affect it that much, though. Gotcha. It's more about, with this injury, it's more about lateral movement okay. that I haven't been able to do. So, actually, I broke it. I snapped it playing one-on-one -on -one with Andy Grammer. <laughs> um, this is the craziest story. This is, yeah. this is bananas. I'll remember, like, and if you ever talk to him or anybody else in the band, they would verify. Like, we were sound checking at a, at a college in Minneapolis or outside of Minneapolis, and it was in their basketball gym. Okay. And Andy was not focusing on the sound check because there was a basketball. He's a huge basketball fan. We yep. play basketball all the time together. Um, and he was just trying to make a shot from the stage to one of the baskets that was easily at a half court distance, if not farther. Mm -hmm. And we could not get him to focus like for the life. <laughs> we just was not. And I was getting upset. And like, so I told the guys, I was like, listen, I'm going to, as soon as we get done with sound check, I'm going to make that shot within three attempts. I promise you. <laughs> and on the third shot, I switched this thing and it was like, oh my God. So yeah. I'm like walking around all puffed up, like, sure. man, I should that dude. So he's like, all, right. <laughs> all right, Baker, like, let's play one-on-one, -on -one, which this is not an abnormal thing. We were playing one-on-one, -on -one, like since 2011. Okay. And uh, this particular day I was just dropping threes on him like crazy, which is usually his game. Like he will run around just to tire me out because I'm bigger than him. Yeah. He'll just run around the perimeter until I'm exhausted and then take a shot and, you know, typically make it. Sure. This time I was just draining threes on him and I had him beat 10 to five. It was game point. We were playing to 11. Yep. And I decided to be a little bit more honest uh, to make game point. So I took <laughs> a step right to drive towards the basket and then it just went. Oh. Like it just. Oh yeah. And, and I knew cause I had done it to my left knee 20 years ago. I knew exactly how it felt. Oh, and, and that was, it was the same feeling. Oh no. And yeah. so you've told both. So left and right knee. Yeah. Both <laughs> playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, this one's, I hope is a cooler story than the left knee, but, uh, yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that you called game there. You didn't get up and you didn't Kobe it and shoot your free throws. No, I can't. I've never seen anybody from that injury been able to like walk away from it. Like it is, oh, no. it's so painful. Um, yeah. yeah, we ended up doing the show that night. Like, I, like I said, it was in the gym. So I went to the women's locker room that was right off the basketball gym and they stuck me in one of those like um, expand contract machines, like the hot mm -hmm. and cold 
and I was in that thing for like four hours and they helped me get up on stage and they helped me get off and we did the show and then you did the show. Weird. Yeah. Had to do the show that night. That's what I mean. Like that kind of movement, <laughs> it doesn't really affect that injury doesn't affect vertical movement that much. Gotcha. I would just think the pain would be like, Oh, what, what the fuck am I doing? Just say it hurt. <laughs> it hurt. <laughs> it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I won't laugh about that. And I couldn't walk down the steps. Yeah. I couldn't put any weight on it really. So I had the crew guys were like on both sides of me, like hobbling me down. I had to wake up the next morning and get on a plane to New York to do Hillary Duff <laughs> morning show, like the today show or something. And then I had yeah. to go to DC after that to do a first couple of gigs with, with Gavin. So I was like, it was bad, man. Like yeah. I was hopping around for seven days on a bus, on a freshly busted ACL. Freshly busted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have got that thing. Oh, I guess you can. That dude, that's just what's called being a rock star. That's just being <laughs> a rock star. I'm sure it took uh, a little distance off your stick toss. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, look how he did. He brought it all full circle. I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Well, Mike, thank you so much for doing this, man. I uh, I appreciate the time. Um, it was a fun talk, and uh, I can't wait to get. We're definitely get out there to play some golf, um, and yeah, hopefully absolutely. get you to the stand up show. Yeah, dude, I'd love to come see you perform. Yeah. That would be uh, fa fantastic. Let's do it. Um, I know there's a. Have you ever been to the Tempe Improv? Uh, no, but we've passed it a bunch of times. I know where it is. Great club, great club. And okay. once they, uh, I'm sure they shut back down. I think they reopened, but I think they shut back down now because Arizona is so bad with it. Yeah, um, yeah, we're through the roof. Yeah, but once I'm out there, I'll hit you up. We'll, uh, we'll get, you, we'll do a show. We'll do a round of golf, then we'll do a show at night. Yeah, it sounds fantastic, man. Perfect, Mike. Thank you for the time, man. We uh, appreciate it so much. Thanks, buddy. Best of luck to you. Cool, man. Thank you, man. You too. Peace. Bye, bye.